get into today's passage of scripture and uh, it's going to be really good. I'm just warning you in advance. This thing was speaking to me and I really believe God has a word for you this morning. I believe it's going to be one of those little admonishing words, which is not, that's not a negative. Remember, we learned from Pastor Earl, that's an adjustment for the benefit of walking in the right direction. That's a, that's a, that's a realignment, right? If you hear admonish and you hear punish, you need to change that. You need to hear admonish and hear alignment, bringing us back into step with the Holy Spirit, with truth, because it's easy to get off track. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose our focus. And an admonish brings us back into alignment. And this morning, our passage of scripture is Colossians 3, 12 to 17. 12 to 17. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that uh, for you this morning. It's going to be on the screen if you need to follow along. And, you know, we've been in this series now. This is week seven of our Colossians series. And if I had a if I had a chance to rename this whole series, uh, I would rename it, Our Reason is Jesus. And I know that that's one of our, our, our vision statements now. Uh, but the truth is, this whole letter from Paul is, is, is basically saying, our whole reason is Jesus. And if I had the chance, I would rename it that. So feel free to do that in your notes this morning as you're writing down what God speaks to you. Our reason is Jesus. Maybe even put it in the chat. Uh, our reason is Jesus. I can see Trish admonishing Pete in the chat. Uh, but put, put our reason is Jesus right there in the chat. Uh, and I'll know that you are following along with me. But Colossians 3, 12 to 17. And my subtitle for this morning's message is all means all. All means all. Here we go. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Here we are back with Paul's clothing metaphor. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Man, that sounds so good. It's like I wish that I had that, those, that, like the, the quality of clothing that that sounds like. It's like that's like a Prada suit. In your, in, in your wardrobe, right? It's like, you know, you've got these epic pieces of clothing to put on. It says, above all, clothe yourself, sorry, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you, right? Remember the Lord forgave you. And so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. It's a little side note from Paul there. Love that. We'll get onto that in a second. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel. There's that word admonish. It comes in there as counsel, right? There's a softness and a, and a mercy to that word. Uh, each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms, right? Worship, right? It's awesome. And hymns and spiritual songs to God uh, with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, what Whatever you do, this is where all means all, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Wow. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you that it just 
ah, it like mm, gets right to uh, the core of us. Um, and pretty quickly this morning, it, it's, uh, it's pretty plain, uh, the things that you're calling us to be. And God, I'm thankful for your Holy Spirit, who is the great enabler. Uh, and when we read passages like this, and it seems like what you're calling us to be is sometimes so different from how we are. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is the one that is in us, transforming us and giving us the power and the desire to be who you've created us to be. So Lord, I pray, be with our people this morning. Be with every one of us this morning, God. Speak to us, adjust us, empower us, and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, lots of clothing talk, okay, uh, last week and this week. Um, But, you know, there is something that is quite different between me and Pastor Darren, for instance, in our clothing. Now, there's a lot of things you could pick on, but one of the things I want to highlight this morning is, is layers, right? Pastor Darren loves layers. In fact, I would hedge a bet that this morning he has like an underlayer, a mid-layer, and a top layer. Am I right? Oh, no, two layers. I was wrong. I was wrong. Normally, he has like an undershirt, a shirt, and a jacket as a lover of layers, and uh, I'm, I'm not. I don't like layers. Layers are constrictive to me. I feel like when I have an undershirt on and like I put I put my overshirt on, I feel like it gives me like three or four kilos, which I'm really trying to avoid in lockdown. So for me, less layers uh, are, are a lot better. I don't know if you relate, but for me, layers are a no-go. And, and this really... Uh, I really struggled with this when we were over in London, right? Because obviously it's quite cold. Um, and so you would have to put on a number of layers because I mean, like one jacket never really was enough, right? It was like thermals and then like t-shirt and then maybe a jumper. And then you would put your jacket over the top. And the idea being that the, the air in the gaps in between your layers, well, that, that, that was an insulator, right? And so it would keep that hot air in close to you, right? Um, and, and it was great. I mean, in that, in that setting, layers worked if you were outside, Right, because as soon as you went from outside to inside, everybody had like these raging fires, or their aircon was set to like 45 degrees Celsius, which London never experiences. So I don't know why they had to like set it inside at that temperature, but it was ridiculous because you'd walk into a supermarket and you'd suddenly have to have two trolleys, one to carry all of your clothing that you had to peel off when you walked into the furnace of Asda, right? You had to peel off all these layers, put them in the trolley because as soon as you left, you got to put all your layers back on. And I'm like, layers, this is not working for me. I don't want to have to carry so many items of clothing with me everywhere I go. Every time I walk in to go and get a coffee, I've got to like 10 minutes of stripping off these outer layers so that I don't turn into a puddle of sweat on the ground while I'm trying to order my long black. And so, you know, it really, obviously I got quite stirred up about it and um, possibly I need some therapy. I don't know. It's it's really rising in me this morning, my, my hate of layers, but but Paul, this morning in our, in our passage of Scripture, he's kind of referencing this idea that the, the, the things that we put on our life come in layers, right? And, and what we know of clothing in layers is that what we experience, I am, I am dramatic. Yeah, my wife is calling me out right there. I love, I love the dramatic side of things. Let's embrace it, right? Embrace the emotive feels. I love to feel all the feels. But what people see of us is the most outer layer, right? Like unless, unless we are like Pastor Darren who, who likes to keep all of his layers open except for his under layer, okay? It's not, it's not, it's not 
getting the hamburger meat out in the chest hair. But but he he likes that. He likes to keep his layers open. So he's like multiple open layers. Um, Paul Paul is is expressing this idea that we experience the most outer layer that we have on. That that outer layer is affected by our nature. But ultimately, that outer layer is what is experienced, right? The nature is what is within, but the outer layer is what is experienced. And he talks about uh, these first few things. He talks about these first few things. Um, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, uh, with, with, with gentleness and with patience, right? All I need to do is think about my last few days and look at that list. And I, I'm going back to Jesus like, you got to help me. You, you know, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, we got three young kids in lockdown. Um, you can pray for that layer, for me to have the capacity to put that layer of patience on. Uh, if you're praying for Rachel and I, you can pray that. That would, that would help us a lot. Um, but Paul begins in verse 12 here by saying, therefore, as God's chosen people. And it's really important for us to recognize that he reminds us of position before he talks necessarily about performance or the experience of our person between each other, okay? So if, if let's go back to our, our nature, right? If we have not positioned ourselves in Christ as God's chosen people, the rest of what Paul talks about is an impossibility. And you just, you just need to be okay with that. God's not calling us to do this without giving us the capacity. He has given us a new nature, right? And Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, you could also say this, therefore, because you've received a new nature, because you now have the capacity in you to do this, because we didn't with our old nature, but now we do, now clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? We have to put off to put on. We've got to remind ourselves we have the capacity to wear this garment first and foremost. Otherwise, we will be leaning into just trying and striving in our own strength. I've got to be more patient. I've got to uh, just, God, help me be more patient, right? And we're striving in our own strength to do something that should come from the nature that God's put within us and the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so this is not something we force and try and strive to do. This is something that we first believe we can because we have a new nature. And then we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to bear his fruit in us. You will notice there is a, a, a strong correlation between the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians and what Paul lists here. Because he knows that this, this garment that we're trying to clothe ourselves with, this life, this experience of us, actually comes because of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not a fruit of my striving. It's not a fruit of my trying. It's not a, it's not a fruit of me gritting my teeth and trying to be better. Okay. I have a little phrase I tell myself, Nate, be better, be better. That's not biblical. Okay. Um, don't take that on. Okay. It's a, I gotta, I gotta stop saying that to myself. Okay. But, but surrender is actually the key here surrendering to the spirit within us. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I know I can't, then I lean into the one who enables me to be able to. Okay, but if we first think we can, we disconnect ourselves from the source of power which enables us to do it, not just once that we might be able to in our own strength, but all the time. It enables us to be this person, not just act like it once or twice. And so we've got to learn that the pathway to this sort of fruit is surrender, not striving. Surrender, not striving. 
he goes on to say this, right? In verse 13, he says, Bear with each other and forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That's deep. That's, there, there is, there's, there's some solidity to that statement, right? Like if you just try to brush over that, you're going to miss the depth at which God is calling us to live. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Let me, let me just unpack that for a second. So, so how has God forgiven you? That's a really good question to ask the Bible. Uh, if, you, if you're uncomfortable asking the Bible questions, just maybe talk to Jesus about that because we should be asking the Bible questions as we read. That's how we process it. It's how we get it inside of us. How has God forgiven me? Well, let, let me unpack three things. Firstly, he's forgiven you completely, completely. Like there is now no record of sin against you. He has cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. In fact, he says, I will now no longer remember your sin against you, right? Like it's gone, totally gone. He's completely forgiven you, right? He doesn't even remember your sin against you, right? So, so he chooses because of Jesus to not remember your sin. So he forgives you completely. He chooses not to remember it. And lastly, it's he's forgiven you of everything in the past, everything in the present, and everything in the future, which is mind-blowing, right? The fact that I'm already forgiven for sins I commit in the future. And so when, my, when, when, when I do and I come to him for confession, I'm not, I'm not requesting that he would forgive me like somehow he hasn't all already. No, no, no. I'm repenting so I can realign. I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, God, that's still, not a, that's still not a healthy area in me. That's still sin. I'm still bringing it to you because, because I know it's not great, but I, I receive afresh the forgiveness that's already available to me, right? He's, he's already forgiven. We just have to walk into that, receive it, repent, acknowledge, and receive, right? So if God has forgiven us completely, if God chooses not to remember our sin against us, and if God has forgiven our past, present, and future, then, then that's, that, that's the way that this scripture is saying that we should be to, to other people. That's, that, that's challenging, that we should forgive each other completely. There's no room for offense in that. There's no room for holding a grudge in that. There's, there's no space in there for you to continue to carry onto what people have done against you. Now, I'm not saying that in there there's not a, a pathway for healing and there's not wisdom in, in some physical changes in your life. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying that forgiveness, that we are called to, this is what we, that forgiveness is the thing that we direct towards people, okay? So this is about us, in us, and what we're directing towards people in accordance with what they do to us, okay? It's not, it's not, it's not saying something was right, Okay. In fact, God's very clear that sin is wrong and he forgives us of it. Okay. So we're not, we, when we forgive, we're not saying that it's right, but we are choosing in us to direct towards someone forgiveness. I am, I am releasing that and its effect on me. I'm releasing. I forgive them for that. And that's incredibly challenging. It's incredibly challenging. And I can guarantee that we cannot do that on our own. We can only do that if we first align ourselves and welcome the Holy Spirit to live within us. If we are first like, like engaging with who we are in Christ and who the Spirit is in us. 
Paul begins that verse by saying, bear with each other, bear with each other. The image that I get for that is like, you know, you know, I love to garden, right? So, so when, when we plant like little seedlings, right, little seedlings are weak. And, and, and so what we do is we place a stake next to the seedling and the stake's job is to support. Uh, essentially, you could say that the stake's job is to cover the fact or, or, or be there because that seedling has a weakness. It's not strong enough to hold itself up right now, right? And so to bear with one another means that we operate in a way that we are choosing to cover that person, not complain about that person. Our job as a bearer with one another is not to expose someone's weakness. It's not to go calling out someone for the things that maybe they've done wrong. It's to stand alongside that person and support them and bear with them. It's not to say they're not doing things that are wrong. It's not to uh, uh, shy away from the reality that a seedling is weak, right? That a seedling doesn't have it all together right now, but the stake doesn't condemn. The stake doesn't look at the seedling and be like, oh, well, you did that wrong oh well you're weak or you no 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 the stake is there to bear it up it's to support it it's to carry it until it until it doesn't have that weakness it's a stake's job is to is 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 to do the journey with that plant until it is until it is able to support itself bear fruit by itself those sorts of things now that that's our job with one another we are to bear with one another. And I'm telling you right now in this season we're in, there is so much opportunity to get offended at people. There is so much opportunity to allow differences of opinion to become what we talk about. Oh, that person thinks this about that. Oh, the, that, that person said that about that. And we'll jump on social media. I know we get on social media and we, 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 we have a go at people for their opinions. And we, 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 we tear people down. We, we expose Sometimes we even shame people. That's not bearing with one another. We, guys, we, we're called to, to walk alongside people. We're called to support people. We're called to not call out each other's faults in, in, in public. It's like love covers a multitude of sin. You know, and this is why Paul goes on after this and he says, listen, bear with one another, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And then over all of this, Over all of this, this is where Paul gets his layers talk on, right? Over all of this, put on love. That's the top layer. If you're wondering what people should experience when they experience you, they should experience love. And if you want to know what love is, because the world has some very misdirected ideas and definitions on love. The best description of love you can find is in the Bible. If you're looking for a list, go to like 1 Corinthians 13, right? But if you're looking for an expression, just go to the gospel. Jesus, right? God is love. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, right? Scripture leans in and interprets Scripture. So now we know if we want to see what love looks like, look at the person of Jesus. Look at how he lived. Look at how he interacted with people. Look at the way he bent down to the lady caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Now rise. Come on, get to your feet. Let's not sin anymore. Let's bear with one another, right? Like love covers. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't remember each other's faults against each other, right? Like I'm trying to remember 1 Corinthians 13 as I go it's not working but but you get me right like love love <laughs> it's, it's hard to continue to hold an offense and love at the same time 
And you might think there's times where this is impossible. And you know what? The truth is, at times, in our own strength, it can seem impossible. Which is why God says that what is impossible with man is possible with God. There is a, there is, we need the Holy Spirit in us. We need to go to him and say, I know you are calling me to love and forgive. I'm struggling with that, God. I need your help, God. Help me forgive this person. A God knows anyway. He knows you're struggling. He knows it's difficult. He knows it's impossible. He knows it's impossible. Somehow we hold that reality at arm's length from Him in our relationship. Like somehow we're embarrassed or ashamed or we think, we think God's not going to accept us if we acknowledge how we really feel. And so we, we stay in a place where we're unable to forgive because we cannot allow God close enough for Him to tell us that He already knows we can't. And He's here to help us. The authenticity and the genuineness of our relationship with Jesus is, is, is somewhat separated from, from the depth at which we need it and the intimacy at which we need Him to be. Some of us, are, God is calling us to be real with Him this morning because to be like this, to wear these clothes, I need Him. To be patient with my kids, I need Him to forgive people on social media. I need Him. Jesus knows I need Him, right? We are not called to battle on the mountain of opinion. We're called to be an expression of love. When was the last time you let someone win an argument or have their opinion without a response for the benefit of leading with love? Does love really have to win? Is it really that important to win that conversation? Is it? Like I use, I use a statement with, with, with a lot of our teams around our Sunday service and I say, is it church terminal, right? Which means if we're facing a tech issue or something, is it church terminal? Like, is this going to end our church? And you want to know what? 99.999% of the time, it's not. It's not. We are faithful people. You guys are so faithful. And I know even if this didn't work this week, next week, we're going to say we're going to try to be on there. You're going to be on there because a technical glitch is not enough to keep you out of the house of God. Can I ask you a question? Is winning that battle on social media or in your family, is that, is that like salvation terminal? Like is that, is that, is it, is it that significant? That you, that you are willing. Like, let's, let's really refine our focus here. If it's not getting someone into the kingdom, then love's going to get them closer than you winning the opinion. Let me say that again. If, if winning is not going to get them into the kingdom, then love is going to get them closer than you winning your opinion. He goes on in verse 15 to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a, that's a decision. It's a decision. Let, we choose what we let rule our minds. We choose that. Sometimes it can feel like we, we, we're not powerful enough to choose our thoughts. That's actually incorrect. It's a lie that the enemy would love for you to believe that you have no power over your thinking. It's not true. You are created with the power to choose a thought. It can pop into your mind and you can be like, I don't want to think that. I want to think something different. That thing is not having rule and reign over my mental real estate. I'm just not going to allow it. 
okay? And sometimes it can be a real big struggle to build that muscle that's big enough to make that choice, but it is not beyond you, okay? And the Holy Spirit is with you to empower you to be renewed by the transformation of your mind. The Spirit is there to partner with you in that process. The Spirit can't choose, (laughs) excuse me, the Spirit can't choose for you, but the, the Spirit can help you have the power to choose, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, we have a lot that we let rule our minds. Fear, that's a big one. We let fear rule our minds. We let it, we let it speak to us. We let it tell us what's going to happen. We let it tell us, as uh, uh, we let it use a potential as a certainty. Fear casts in your mind an image that that is a potential and it will cast it as a certainty. And you will feel the emotion and the experience as if it has happened, even though it probably never will. You will exist in response to what you allow rule in your minds. Do you allow that conversation that you had two days ago rule in your mind? Is it, is it just wound around and around and around in your mind, winding you up, getting you angsty, getting you like uh, tense? And let the peace of Christ rule. Let it have real estate in your mind. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. We are called to peace. We're called to have it, we're called to live in it, and we're called to enable others to experience it because of us. When we talk about having an influence for the kingdom of God, we're talking about having an influence of the the, the characteristics and the experiences of the kingdom of God. They are things like someone experiences love, someone experiences peace, someone experiences the power of the Holy Spirit to bring to earth like it is in heaven, right? The, The miraculous healing, the prophetic, those things along with things like peace, that we would be peace bringers into people's lives, that we would be love bringers into people's lives so that they might experience what it is to live within the kingdom of God. And Paul says this, he says, you are called to peace. Mm, and be thankful. That's that statement that I told you I'd come back to, right? And be thankful. I want to make something real clear. This pulpit is not a place that we will ever discuss the vaccine. <laughs> All right? It's not, it's not. This pulpit is for unpacking the Word of God. But can I tell you, if you want to know a vaccine for bitterness, it's thankfulness. If, if you want to know how to vaccinate yourself against offense, how to vaccinate yourself against anger, how to vaccinate yourself against comparison, how to vaccinate yourself and your soul against these things that steal your peace, it's thankfulness, right? Like get some thankfulness. Just, just sometimes I've got to start with the most mundane things to be thankful for because that's the only thing that I'm authentically thankful for. Don't pretend you're thankful for something. Don't be like, God, I thank you for your almighty power, right? Like when you're not, don't do that. Doesn't work, okay? It doesn't change the interior of your heart. Start with God, I thank you for my new AF1s because I wanted them for ages. And yeah, that's materialistic and whatever, but it's it's genuine. I will tell you something, if I start there, I will end up in a place where I'm thanking God for His goodness and I will really mean it, right? And it will change the atmosphere of my heart. But if I try to start with, oh God, for your sovereign rule over this, it's baloney. It's performance. 
It's a religious act. It's not real. And I'm telling you, when it's not real, there's no change that occurs inside of me. i got to start where I'm at. And God's okay with that, right? I've got to start where I'm at. He knows where you're at anyway. He knows that if you are only truly thankful for the, for the Vienna cake in your fridge right now because you're in lockdown, you're craving cake, start there. Start there. He knows anyway, right? He knows. You're just, you're just pretending with Him. Right? When you start somewhere else, he's like, God, can you just be real with me? Just be real with me. I'm telling you, you'll feel the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit so much more when you are genuine and you are real. God, I thank you that the plumber came and fixed our drains so that I don't have to sort that out every morning. God, I thank you. I thank you that my kids slept in for half an hour. They didn't this morning, in case you're wondering. But on the days that they do, I am, I'm, I'm thanking Jesus for that. That's where I might have to start, right? And be thankful. Let the message of Christ, that's the gospel, the fact that you're forgiven, the fact that you have been made right in, in the eyes of God, right? The gospel that says that you are a new creation. Let that dwell. Let that dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your heart. That is all the, the result That's the result of cultivating an authentic, intimate, real relationship with Jesus. And lastly, here we go. I actually made it. I made it with 56 seconds to go. I didn't think we were going to get there for a while, but 17 says this, and whatever you do, and whatever you do, right? All means all. Whatever you do, whether in word, whether what you say, out loud, what you say on social media platforms, what you say in an email to your boss, what you say to your family members, what you say, whatever you say, or deed, or whatever you do, whatever you say or whatever you do, do it all, all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Or or you could say it as this, do everything as if You are representing Jesus. Everything, every word, every action. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems incredibly impossible. And this is where we've got to understand. This is where Paul takes takes theology. I love this. Stephen Furtick said this the other day, where theology becomes therapy, (laughs) right? Such a great statement because, because what we've often tried to do in church life is we've tried to do that in our own strength and we end up messed up. We end up realizing we can't and then, and, then, and, then, and then we disconnect from God because we think that He is calling us to an impossible life and that's not fair. But this is where theology becomes therapy, right? Because, because the theology says that you're a new creation, right? Paul, we, we talked about this in the very first week, first two chapters of Colossians, theology, second two chapters, practical. How, how we live out the theology, right? So we've got to go back. We can't take this without the first two chapters. And this is where cherry-picking Scripture gets us into trouble because we take this and we try to do it, but we can't do it without Colossians 1 and 2 because Colossians 1 and 2 tells us that we have, let's lean down here, but we have taken off this. We've taken off this and we're choosing to put on this. And it's only when we do that It's only when we put on the reality of the theology of our new nature that we are even able to interact with the Spirit so that He can help us to do this. 
Okay? This is this is this is like this is the end goal. This is the impossible end goal of living perfect. Okay? It's like that's what I'm aiming for. And day by day, I'm journeying towards that. Day by day, I'm making the decision that's going to enable me to do that. And that decision looks like taking off, putting on, and surrendering to Jesus. So if you're feeling challenged by this word today, and let me tell you, I am feeling challenged. I'm preparing this going far out. God, I am so far from these measures sometimes. And God's like, yeah, well, we can stop striving. Just surrender. Lean into me, connect with me, and you'll, you'll find you have the capacity. You'll find that for an hour, you're exactly like that. And then, and then, and then I kind of slip out. I'm back in my old nature and, you know, I've got to find five minutes and I just connect with God. I'm taking that off. God, I'm a new creator. Spirit, help me. God. And I'm, I'm, I can do it for a little bit. Like it's... We should never think that this life we're called to live is to be lived outside of a constant connection with the Holy Spirit. It's just not, right? Paul lives what he believes. He believes he's a new creation. He believes he has a new nature. And therefore, he believes he now actually has the capacity in partnership with God's Spirit to live the way he's calling the Colossians to live. And you're the same. You have a new nature. It's in you. It's the nature from God. Perfect, righteous, it's in you. And you also have the Holy Spirit. And together, you have the capacity now to live with love as an outer garment, with mercy, with compassion. Like that next time you go to comment on that person's post and you hear that little voice that says, "Eh, maybe just don't do that. Maybe just keep swiping. That's the Holy Spirit. That's encouraging you to live with compassion and mercy first. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray this morning that even though this is a challenging word, that it would push you closer to Jesus, that it would cause you to lean further into authenticity with Him, that we'd take more masks off with Him, that we'd stop pretending a little bit more with him, that we just reduce the length at which we keep him away from the real us because we're scared that he'll expose us or or he'll he'll put shame on us or when none of that is actually true. 